Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions Podcast for Parents, where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. Hello, everyone. Guess what? This is episode 100. I am so excited that we have made this milestone. I jumped into podcasting pretty impulsively for someone like myself who tends to get analysis paralysis. I joke that I'm either like way super impulsive in projects and things I want to do, or I'm completely like decision fatigued and won't do anything at all. It's like a all or nothing with me. And luckily the podcast has worked out though. It was a very impulse decision (laughs) to start a podcast, but look at where we are a hundred episodes in. And this episode is going to be a little different. It's of course, I'm going to call out some of the the greatest statistics and the achievements and all of the places we've made an impact um, globally. I also want to call out some of the the um, episodes that I think will give you a well-rounded, comprehensive view of my mission and what I set out to do with this podcast episode, with this podcast show. And so if you're just starting, I'm going to give you some great episodes to get started with. But stick around till the end. I decided I wanted to include my little one in this episode because she's a huge part of why I do what I do. And she's grown so much. So at the end, she's going to read some excerpts from my book, a kid's book about neurodiversity, just to tie it all together. So feel free to invite your little ones to listen at the end of the podcast. Okay, let's let's just dive into some of these stats. Okay, so this is episode 100. Over the last episodes, some of the topics that we've covered include sensory processing disorder, what it is and what it isn't. We've talked about advocacy for neurodiversity and how to be a neurodiverse affirming therapist, person, or parent. We've talked about very niche topics, everything from interception to auditory processing to picky eating to handwriting development. And I've had some amazing, wonderful guest interviews with experts in neurology, conscious discipline, child psychology, trauma, and so much more. And I plan to have so many in the next 100 episodes. Um, And some of my favorite episodes are the ones where I was really vulnerable and they were unscripted. And it got me to open up in ways I don't think I've even opened up to some of my closest friends, (laughs) maybe not even my therapist. There's really something about talking open-endedly to people that I can't see. So like they're not looking back at me and I'm not like glancing at people as I'm sharing some vulnerable things, but also knowing that I'm talking to people who will get it. So it's, it's like a, it's a weird comfort. Um, And so you hear some of my most vulnerable moments on the podcast. And if you've listened to some of those episodes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So some of the stats. Um, as of now, the Sensory Wise Solutions podcast has 275,000 podcast episode downloads. That's amazing. Has streamed in six out of the seven continents. It has reached 143 countries or territories, 8,525 cities. Uh, the top five listening countries are the US, Canada, UK, 
Australia, and South Africa. And the top five listening cities are Sydney, New South Wales, Melbourne, Victoria, LA, California, Seattle, Washington, and Chicago, Illinois. The top five downloaded episodes are my season one, episode five, which is what is sensory processing disorder. Uh, season one, episode six, which is sensory processing disorder, the sensory sensitive profile. Season one, episode seven, high threshold sensory seekers versus low registration. Season two, episode 72, the neurodiversity and interoception episode with Kelly Mahler. And season one, episode 26, the ABA therapy controversy. If you want to listen to any of those, I will link them below, but just a little hint for the future. If I ever call out an episode number, all you have to do is go to the otbutterfly.com slash six or slash seven, uh, just the numerical number of the episode, and it'll put you straight to that episode. Um, so that was fun to look back on and, and hello to all of those global countries and cities that we're reaching. That's seriously amazing. So I want to remind you why I call this episode the Sensory Wise Solutions Podcast. I, if many of you, many of you might not know, I had a signature program called Sensory Wise Solutions, uh, which existed much longer, um, has existed longer than this podcast. But I started that program first, and then decided to create a podcast. But Wise is actually um, an acronym, so it's W I S E, and I want to go over those four pillars basically to my content and what they stand for. And then also call out some episodes that really dive into those specific pillars. So my intent with starting this podcast was I wanted each episode to at least um, uh, call out or address one of these four pillars, which is technically my four-step process to how you can create a sustainable support plan for a neurodivergent person. So let's start with the first letter in Y's, W. W stands for why, not the letter Y, but like, why does something happen? So step one, you always, always, always have to understand the why behind each and every behavior. The big hint is that it probably has to do with the nervous system because all behaviors are a reflection of the nervous system. But in this step, I really want you to dig deep and explore and observe why your child is struggling. You might even ask yourself, why does this matter to me? Why do I care about this behavior? Why is their behavior so triggering to me? So really, really getting curious in step one is going to take you far. Um, so some of the top episodes that would address this and get and help you dig deeper into the why include episode 86, which is why is your child acting out, uncovering the gap in behavior. Episode 29, why your child is a picky eater and when to seek help. Episode 42, the number one reason your kid hates hygiene tasks. Episode 27, Bedtime Battles, Practice Strategies, and When to Work with OT, featuring Dr. Tina Bryson. And episode 20, which is, is it sensory or is it behavior? Okay, next part of the pillar, next letter is letter I, which stands for Identify Profiles and Goals. This is where you really want to make sure that you have a good understanding of your particular child's nervous system triggers 
knowing their sensory preferences. Are they sensory seekers? Are they sensory sensitive? Are transitions hard for them? Are they picky eaters? Is um, Are busy environments hard for them? Are family gatherings hard for them? Take the clues from each of the environments or tasks that they are having a hard time staying regulated in and try to pinpoint the sensory component that may be triggering to their nervous system. Sometimes it's not that obvious, so you really have to take some time observing this and maybe learning more about different sensory profiles and different nervous system responses. And then you want to create neurodiverse affirming goals around these specific areas of need that you want to support them in. So a few episodes for you to look into to just get started on this is episode seven, which is about having a mixed threshold child. Episode seven, which is all about high thresholds um, and differentiating between sensory seekers versus low registration. And episode six, which is sensory sensitivity signs in children. Okay, the next letter, S, stands for solidifying your sensory toolbox. This is really where you embody being a sensory detective. You are going to explore sensory strategies and activities and notice how your child responds to that input. This is an ongoing process. You are constantly observing their behavior, their responses to things, and continue adding it to your toolbox, maybe adjusting it or removing it from your toolbox. Or you might have a separate toolbox for weekends and a toolbox for um, weekday mornings before school. You really, really need to understand when to use certain sensory tools and when not to use them. So you might continuously add things or cross things off the list, and maybe you even start to create your own sensory toolbox along the way. I actually hope that you all have some ideas on how to regulate your own uh, nervous system because as parents, we we really need to hang on to that uh, regulation. But some episodes for you to get started in learning about this is episode 84, which is using sensory layering to enhance nervous system regulation. Episode 64. Did I say 64? That one was 84, using sensory layering to enhance nervous system regulation. Then episode 64 is how to get started with a sensory lifestyle in five easy steps. Episode 63 is on proprioception, what it is and how does it support my, uh, my child. Last, we have E, which is engage in the just right challenge. So this originally alluded to supporting sensory sensitive kids specifically because I wanted to help parents learn how to provide the level, the, the right level of challenge to their kids without activating the fight or flight system. But really, the Just Right Challenge can apply to any nervous system, regardless of sensory threshold. Engage in the Just Right Challenge really just means meeting them where they're at, which includes accommodations and providing sensory seeking supports and developmentally appropriate and neurodiverse affirming activities to support them. So more about this in episodes like episode 24, Making the Most Out of OT Services, Episode 34, When Sticker Charts Backfire. Episode 37, How to Talk to Your Child About Their Neurodiversity. And Episode 19, Accommodations Versus Exposure for Sensory Kids. Cool. Okay, so I just left you with a ton of episodes for you to look back on, maybe listen to them for the first time. And now I get to share with you a little chit chat I had with Liliana. This was super last minute. I like pulled her in my office on a Sunday afternoon. She's such a good sport about it. She loves 
helping me with my podcast. She loves working with mommy. Um, so I just wanted to get her candid opinion and ask her some questions about neurodiversity. And I also had her read some pages from my book, a kid's book about neurodiversity. If you want to grab that, you can find it on Amazon. You can just go to the otbutterfly.com slash book. If you want to grab it yourself, um, we are going to read some parts of it, but it is definitely not the whole book. And this is a great one to read to classrooms, to um, have in every community library and in every home. It is not just for neurodivergent kids. In fact, I would argue I love, I, I, I wrote this book for neurotypical kids to understand that there are different brains out there and to take the burden off of neurodivergent individuals to always have to be the ones to talk about the accommodations we need or our behaviors and, and things like that. But, um, okay, let me cut to the clip where I talked to Liliana. Are you excited to be on mommy's podcast again? Yes. Do you know why I'm asking you to be on my podcast today? It's a special episode. Do you know what the episode is? No. Guess how many episodes that I have recorded now. Today is a special number. Um, 20? 100. Oh my God. A <laughs> hundred. It's a lot. And so for my episode, for my 100th episode, I have been telling everyone all of the things that I've learned and that I've taught everybody in a hundred episodes. So I wanted to hear everything that you know so far since I've last started the podcast. So can I ask you questions? Yes. Okay. I would love to know if you could share with everybody, um, do you have a small sensory cup or a medium sensory cup or a large sensory cup? And you might have like a mix, remember? Mm-hmm. What do you have? I sometimes have um I have my I have a small one but my small one gets overflown when I'm when I'm mad and angry. Yeah, you have a small sensory cup for like your skin being touched sometimes or if things get wet or sounds. Yes. I have a small sensory cup for sounds too. I also have a small sensory cup for um, like spinning and like fast rides, but you have like a super ginormous cup for fast rides and spinning, huh? Yeah, because I love roller coasters at Disneyland. You sure do. What would you say to a kid who says that they don't like going somewhere because it's so super loud? I would say that's that I would say that's okay. That's okay if if your brain thinks it's too loud, you could you could uh, you could ask your parent to say, "I don't want to go there anymore because I think it's too loud." They could definitely tell their parents that. What would you tell a kid who says that um they don't like a new food that they haven't even tried yet. I would say you could tr you could try you could try you could food explore it or you could try it or you could smell it or try a little nibble and see if you like it. But if you if you don't like it, try 
try just a medium-sized bite if, if you didn't really taste it that good. And even if you end up not liking it, is that okay? Yes, it's okay. What would you tell a kid who says that they don't have friends to play with at school? I would say it's okay if you don't have friends. You could play with you could play with me or you could ask a friend and say, "Can I play with you?" That's really cool. That's some good advice. What would you say if what happened if they they ask someone to play with them and that person says no? Um then that person then that person then that person's friend that said no, um you you ha then maybe the other person can tell the other that can tell um the the fr her friend that said no to to be kind and 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 to let her play yeah so you could stand up for someone mm -hmm. what would you say to some kids who have a hard time wearing different clothes I would say it's it's okay it's you it's okay if you need if your parents say says you need to wear different clothes because you can't just wear the same thing over and over because because then if you only have one clothes left and you have to wear them over and over they might get dirty. How did you start to learn to wear different clothes? I learned to wear different clothes by by you telling me that I need to wear different clothes <laughs> like you buy somewhere at Target. Yeah. We we practiced, right? Yeah, we practiced a lot. We practiced a lot. Yes. There are some things that mommy tells you that we have to do that you don't want to, right? Yeah. Like bath time. Uh, like showers I used to not like. Showers you used to not like. Ooh, you know what is new for you? What? You learned how to swim and go underwater. Oh, yeah. It used to be so hard for you. What do you say to some kids who are afraid of putting their head underwater? I would say it's okay. You could buy, go you could buy goggles, but if they, but if they say my, I uh, my nose can't go underwater and it hurts and my and my and my nose can't like get the water in my nose you I I could tell them to get um a goggles that covers their their nose like mine or they could just give it a try that's really good advice for for all the different kinds of kids out there do they all learn in the exact same way no they don't do they all talk and communicate in the same way no they don't do they all like to do the same things with their body that makes them feel happy and safe? No, they don't. No. Everybody moves differently and learns differently. So what does that mean if you see a kid who, like, it's circle time at school and a kid is super wiggly with their body and needs to move around? Does that mean that they're a bad kid? No, they're still a good kid, but, they're, but their body is still learning a lot. Their, bo their body can still learn by moving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if kids need to move their bodies to learn, is that okay? Yeah. What about if 
kids need to hold something and fidget with their hands while they learn. Is that okay? Yeah, that's totally okay. That's totally okay. What if kids, um, there might be some kids who don't like to look at other people's eyes, like look directly in their eyes or look at the teacher when they're, when the teacher's talking, but they're still learning. Is that okay? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, as long as everyone is learning in their own way. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I want to read my book. I actually would love if you would read my book. Do you think you could read it to everybody? Yeah. Okay, go get the book right there. A kid's book about neurodiversity. In your brain, there are there are there are cells cells called neurons, and the way these neurons connect in your brain is what makes you who you who you are. I these connections make you. Feel excited for your birthday. Love the taste of your favorite food. Remember the words to your favorite song or really fast when you're playing tag or any other game you, you're good at. So, so everyone's brain is different. Someone, everyone's brain learns, pl plays, communicates, and experiences the, the world differently. And that's called neurodiversity. Neurodiversity is good. And it's something to celebrate. That's why we're, we're here to do today. Even though everyone has a different brain, most humans have a similar neurotype. The two main neurotypes are neurotypical and neurodivergent. For example, most neuro neurotypical brains can learn by sitting still while listening to their teacher, or they communicate ha happiness, happiness, happy, happiness by smiling, clapping, and saying yay, or they or they feel comfortable playing hide and seek, or they want cozy hugs from someone they love. Now, typical brains can have differences too, but they they share many similarities. Now, divergent brains are distinct, distinct, distinct because their connections are even more un unique. Instead of sitting still, a person with a neurodivergent brain might learn best by standing or fidgeting with something. Instead of clapping, they might communicate happiness by clapping their hands. Instead of hide-and-seek, they might like making patterns with toys or talking about a favorite show. Instead of hugs, they might want a high-five or no touch at all. What if instead of thinking, that's weird, that's weird, or why are they acting like that, we thought that must feel really hard for them. Or, hmm, that's a way of do, doing things that's different from mine. If you, if you, uh, if one of your classmates choose to rock their body or fidget with something in their hands during reading time, that, that is likely how they learn best. Let's not ask neurodivergent people to act more neurotypical. Let's 
let's let's acknowledge acknowledge celebrate and love the unique wiring 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 of their brain you read that so good my love can i have a hug yay we just read to everybody and we hope that all of the kids and grown-ups who are neurodivergent feel loved and celebrated and we hope that all the kids and grown-ups who are neurotypical feel loved and know that there are lots of different brains out there and we should always be kind, right? Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yes. Yay. Okay, say bye to everyone. Bye. Okay, I mean, I don't really have a better sign-off than that, so I'm just going to leave it there. Thank you so much for celebrating 100 episodes with me. Thank you for being here, however long, if this is your first episode you're listening to. To those of you who have been listening from the very beginning, I hope this um, I hope that this podcast has given you some wisdom and some validation into your experience. And here's to a hundred more episodes and more after that. If you haven't yet, I would so, 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 so appreciate if you could leave a review and a rating um, about this podcast. It just helps spread the word that this exists and we can make a bigger impact on the world. All right, I will be back next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find me as well. Want to learn more from me? I share tons more over on Instagram at the OT Butterfly. See you next time.